0: J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. We need a lot more happy endings. Anderson,
1: thank you very much for the reporting. I'm Chris Cuomo, and welcome to Primetime. You know, we really need to figure out what we are about in this country. Our government learns there are terror threats at the Kabul airport, and their reaction is to tell Americans who are desperate and dying to get out to leave. Are you kidding me? Here's the U.S. government warning issued just now. Because of security threats outside the gates of Kabul airport, we're advising U.S. citizens to avoid traveling to the airport and to avoid airport gates at this time unless you receive individual instructions from a U.S. government representative to do so. Those who are at the Abbey Gate, East Gate or North Gate now should leave immediately. Question, why isn't the answer to bring Americans into the airport to keep them safe? especially if you can really say that these are Americans, why are you sending them away? What would you do to people that you care about when you learn they were threatened? Would you send them away or would you want to keep them close? Bring them into the airport. Why not? Where's the answer to that question? Look, terrorists are coming for the people that America is trying to get out right now. Not just Taliban hunting women and friendlies. This threat is the new ISIS, ISIS-K. K K stands for a province they come from, Khorasan, up on the Pakistan border. Remember, a lot of the Taliban, a lot of these bad guys are not even from Afghanistan. Listen, what does this mean about when America will get the Americans out? Because now, is this threat going to delay? Are we going to go back to this August 31 BS? Is that going to become a hard out again? Look, that was a media and political party trap. It was a gotcha. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And the Biden administration did not deal with it well, and they just got on message that they're going to complete the job no matter what. Will this spook them into having to make a quick exit? They were finally getting that they can't leave until you get all Americans and allies out. Now, here's the good news. They are getting people out. We just got new numbers. Since August 14th, when Kabul fell, the State Department tabulates as many as 6,000 Americans wanted to leave. And since then, roughly 4,500 were evacuated along with family members. Secretary Blinken says his department is in contact with 500 Americans still there and is aggressively reaching out to what could be 1,000 more, but likely less. So approximately 1,500 American citizens remain, and the White House says it's not putting a cap on the number of SIV applicants they hope to get out by Tuesday. Now, look, I know some of you don't buy the numbers. I know that you have no good reason to buy the numbers because the White House has said they're not sure about the numbers. Blinken now put out new numbers. Is he completely sure of these numbers? I doubt he would say yes. These are going to be their best estimates. Will you hear different ones from different sources? Yes, Should there be coordination of this? Yes, is there? No, is that part of the problem? Yes. Now that's the truth. And the bigger truth is, this place has never been safe for Americans. There's been a lot of blood spilled in that country and it kept us safe for over 20 years. And the job remains the same. Get as many of our people out as you can safely, whatever it takes. And the reality hasn't changed. Chances are bad things are coming in Afghanistan. Taliban, ISIS-K, or some other alphabet. There will be chatter about America running away and being weak, negotiating with the Taliban. We used to not negotiate with terrorists. Now we say, ah, they're not that bad and they deserve a chance to have a stake in this. What are we about? And in a few months, you will hear talk of bad guys there making plans to get us here, just like ISIS-K is now targeting people at the airport. There will be more in all likelihood. But right now, that doesn't change anything. This is an evacuation, and it's never been safe. And you've always had the same job. And it's time you just knuckle up and say you're going to do it. You're going to get everybody out, no matter when it takes, even if it gets ugly, because you have to get them out. Period. Because when American forces leave, those left behind will likely pay a price. Getting out will be at the mercy of men known for being merciless. And the women there will be in grave, grave danger. Even while saying they'll be the kinder, more inclusive Taliban, they are telling women to stay inside for their own safety. And now, this new threat ISIS K. There will always be a threat. Are we handling this one the right way? And does it deter from the mission? That's what matters. Let's take up those questions
2: with a better mind. Former CIA counter-terror official Phil Mudd. What do you think? Boy, I look at this and say, if you're on the ground, you have a difficult choice if you're the Americans. The Americans are talking about specific threats. If you get specific threats in, you have no choice. No choice except what we used to call in government duty to warn. You have to tell the people on the ground, you have to move away because there's a risk, and I'm just assuming there here, but there's a risk potentially of something like a backpack bomb or a suicide bomber with a truck. The reason why the Americans would tell, the American government would tell Americans there to leave is that they can't afford not to tell people not to congregate around the entrances to the airfield. What else are they supposed to say? Now, the challenge for, to close, Chris, the challenge for people on the ground is, you've got the Americans saying there's a potential physical threat at the airport, but if I go home, there's a potential threat from the Taliban coming after my family. The people at the airport have no good options, and nor do we. Why isn't the good option to bring them in? You could bring them in if this is like Target and you could just walk through a turnstile, but first of all, you gotta certify who's who. While you're certifying who's who, those people have to cross, go across town and go in concentrated areas that are prime targets for someone who's plotting a terror attack. So what's your choice if you're American? Congregate around the gates because we have specific threats that say you might be targeted or say go home. They don't have good choices, we don't have good choices. There's no good answer. Yeah, but Phil, if you tell them to go away, you are now
1: automatically making good on the threat by ISIS-K or whoever's making it, because you're now putting them in even more danger. The farther they get away from that airport, the less
2: chance they ever get back to it. That assumes that we can't improve the processes over the next five, six days. Look, look at what's happened over the past five, six days. Would you have said we'd be at 80, 80 plus thousand people five or six days ago? I would have said no way. That also assumes something that nobody is talking about, that there will not be a plan for September. If you're sitting in the Pentagon, the State Department, the White House today, along with the CIA, one of the first questions I would have would be how do you ensure that there's a conversation potentially with the Taliban, remember the CIA director met the Taliban, for how to get people out after, after August 31st, especially American citizens. I wouldn't, I wouldn't judge that there's not a plan to do that. I'm not saying it's great, but it's better than having people congregate ar- around a gate and getting blown up, Chris.
1: Well, look, you know my suggestion. I don't understand why you would put any weight on the August 31st date. I don't understand why Biden ever did. I think he was duped by the media asking him gotcha questions and uh, the fringe political base that worked against him. Why did they ever play into that? Oh, it's in the deal. Uh, The guys who made the deal say the deal was a joke. You never honored the deal. You didn't work on the deal. Why would you honor it now and give the Taliban that kind of respect? So the CIA guy goes to meet with the Taliban guy, comes out. Next thing Biden says is that
2: date's a real date. What does that tell you about the meeting? It says nothing about the deal. I completely agree. A deal doesn't matter if it involves the security of American citizens. If you can extend the deadline and get people out, I don't care what we told the Taliban. These are people who go into soccer stadiums and assassinate people for doing things like stealing. Yeah, that's right. That's what I'm talking about. But see, you have these
1: conversations. What I'm saying, Phil, is how come this isn't the dialogue? Look, I know you think you're going to be in charge here, That never happens until we leave. And you know it. And we both know what happens when we stay. Let's stop these illusions uh, about, you know, what it will take for us to take you out. The Taliban can't think that way. They know that it is a straight big fat L against the United States military. Why isn't the discussion as soon as I get my people out in the allies, I'm gone. That's what you want. Let it happen. Help me make it happen.
2: Why isn't that the deal? too much risk. I don't think the deal makes any difference. As I said, any moment ago. I think people are placing too little emphasis on the CIA director's meeting. He goes out from that meeting. And shortly thereafter, the president says, we're out. Why do you think that is Chris? I'm going to make a bet. And that is because the Taliban told the CIA director, you guys are out or else you guys are in deep trouble. The Taliban holds the cards. They can go after the people who were affiliated with us and slit their throats. They can go after American citizens and slit their throats if we don't leave. And they have done that. So what's your choices as the commander in chief? Extend the deadline and risk people's lives or say we're going to get 100, 110, 120,000 people out and we're going to save American servicemen by leaving on time. Phil, No good choices. I would have done what Biden did. Phil,
1: let's play that out. Okay. so you leave and you brag about your number and then people like me poke holes in the number for the next two and a half weeks because we don't even know if it's real. And then what happens to the people who are left behind? These stories that you're talking about are guaranteed. They are guaranteed. If you leave, whoever's left behind, and by your equation, there will definitely be people left behind. And that's exactly what's going to happen. So you say no good answers, I say, but there are levels of suck here. And staying and testing the Taliban, how can that not be better than giving them free reign over people that you know, as you say, they want to slit their throats?
2: Risk reward. Look, the risk is if you leave late, that the Taliban does, as I just said, they start to assassinate people reward is, what do you get for the upside? You potentially can get those people out in September without risk to their lives. If you're the president and you're the commander in chief, your responsibility partly is for the men, service men and women who are there, who are going to leave. And if they leave a day late and there's a car bomb and 20 of them, 20 of them die, a lot of us remember what happened in Beirut 35 years ago. It's on you. What's your risk reward? There's no good risk reward. But if I were him, I'd say the risk of staying and dead American civilians and military by ISIS or by Taliban is greater. The risk of staying is lesser than the risk of leaving.
1: What is the leverage to have any kind of deal in September? What Phil is talking about is that there'd be some some negotiated detente, okay, where they keep letting people leave, even if the Americans aren't there. Why would
2: they do that? I don't think there's a lot of leverage for uh, Afghan citizens. The Taliban has already said, and I think they're completely embarrassed by this. They've got a brain drain. The Taliban has already said, these people shouldn't be leaving. As far as, let's say, depending on the numbers, looking at uh, Secretary Blinken's conversation today, depending on the numbers, you have 1,000 people left. I could see going to the Taliban and saying, we want 1,000 out because if they don't come out, there's gonna be tremendous embarrassment for you. And at that point, if the Taliban starts going after people our bets are off. They've already proven that they're going to kill people. We lock and load on them. One last thing I'd say, Chris, again, we're not focusing on the CIA director's meeting. Not only would he have talked about the potential departure date, and I'm sure the Taliban said, get the hell out, or we're coming after you. He's got a phone number. So if things start going ugly with American citizens after August 31st, I guarantee he's the avenue, not the State Department, not the Pentagon, to call, to call the Taliban and say, you got to get our people out. But those Afghans who worked with us, Chris,
1: they're in trouble. I just don't know how it's acceptable. Look, I hear you, brother. And you've done these deals and you've had these conversations and I respect you and I understand why you're saying it. But I just can't believe that America can't do better than say, hey, there's a threat. Everybody run away. Uh, And hey, you bad guys, you hold all the cards. We'll do whatever you want. It just it's hard to square with what we're supposed to be about. But I appreciate you, brother. We'll keep putting the pieces of the puzzle together and getting your take on what the picture is that it makes. Thank you. you. Man, dark days. You ever thought you'd be having conversations like this about the mightiest military in the world? Can't even get your own people out? A threat tells you to tell your own people to run away back into the places that you know are most dangerous. The Taliban, they're doing their part, right? They're loving this. They're issuing a new warning to the women and girls of Afghanistan, okay? I referred to it in the open, for their own good. These guys are the threat. They're telling women to stay inside for their own good. They're the threat. What does that mean about what's going to happen when we leave? Not that America has as its job to stay in Afghanistan forever. I've never said that. But our next guest is an Afghan journalist who knows the reality and took those fears to the Pentagon. Did you see
3: this? I left from the Taliban like 20 years ago. Now we go back to the first step again.
1: Why is she so upset? And why is she more worried now than ever. Hear directly from this journalist. Next. So let's be real about who and what we're dealing with here. Okay. The Taliban deserves no respect as any legitimate state builder. All right. They have a perverse sense of religious justice. They maim and kill for minor infractions. And that's with men. With women, the best of times are the worst of times. They are property often brutalized, almost always subjugated, sometimes measured in worth when traded for cattle. And now the Taliban itself is telling women to stay at home, that they can't work because their soldiers are not trained to respect women. Think about that. Remember, last time Taliban were in power, 96 to 2001, women couldn't work. They have to cover their entire bodies, They're not allowed to leave home unless accompanied. My next guest knows this reality firsthand. She fled Taliban rule. She became a journalist. She is the American dream. She was in the Pentagon briefing room last week, pressing Admiral Kirby on the whereabouts of the Afghan president last week, when those memories of her own reality came flooding back.
3: As you know, I'm from Afghanistan and I'm very upset today. Because Afghan women didn't expect that overnight all the Taliban came. They took off my flag. This is my flag. And they put their flag. Everybody is uh, upset, especially women. Women has a lot of achievement in Afghanistan. I had a lot of achievement. I, I left from the Taliban like 20 years ago. Now we go back to the first step again.
1: Nazira Karimi is her name, and she joins us now. Welcome to Prime Time. Thank you for making your witness.
3: Thanks, Chris, to having me. I'm so honored, and I'm so happy that, uh, you know, one more time, I raise my voice for Afghan voiceless, uh, through by your popular show. I appreciate it. Thank you.
1: The idea that we're hearing is America has to leave sooner rather than later or the taliban will hurt people what do you think happens no matter when america leaves
3: thank you it's a great question you know everybody in my country including women men kids all afghan people 38 million people you know, like to leave America, no matter soon or late. But uh, based on my opinion, step by step. Unfortunately, the time that United States uh, Biden administration made decision to leave Afghanistan in this sensitive time, it's a little hard for everybody, especially for women, especially me, that I'm a woman, I'm a journalist. But nowadays, I would like to talk as an Afghan pure woman because the situation in Afghanistan is sensitive. They start two years ago, peace process, United States signed agreement with the Taliban, but everybody you know, expected you know, to be take a time, step by step. But unfortunately, the Taliban also didn't keep their commitment and overnight took over all Afghanistan and President Ghani uh, like week ago disappeared. That's why I was crying. And this moment, I it's better to not crying for my stepfather. And uh, President Ghani always, <laughs> he called Afghan people that Afghanistan people are, including men, women, kids. They are my kids. They are my children. How come our stepfather left everybody alone? But, yes, but so, it's, uh, yeah, I agree with you, but it's not time to... Uh, US uh, leave alone Afghan people because
1: Bad things know. are going to happen. So Nazira, do this. Uh, please tell people what do you think will happen to women when America is not there
3: anymore? It's a great question. Everybody knows. Nowadays Afghanistan popular country. Afghanistan is a rich country. We have a rich story. We have a great people, you know, as a woman, we have an educated woman, member of parliament, sport woman, journalist, engineer. And let me tell you a story, Chris. A month ago, I asked President Biden that what's your warm and sweet message to Afghan women or for Afghan suffered women? Because everybody's worried. Month ago, Taliban started to take over Afghanistan. Uh, based of that agreement in Doha, Qatar, and President Biden kindly answered my question, and he said, uh, even in Afghanistan, when he was uh, uh, former President Obama's, uh,
1: you know, you
3: work on that time with President Obama, and he said, I face two Afghan kids, Afghan children, they want me that please don't uh, leave Afghanistan. And President Biden said, I asked them, why? And the kids said, because we have planned to be a doctor, engineer, journalist. And uh, you guys have to stay in Afghanistan because we need to get our goal. And President Biden said, one of the reasons that we uh, supported Afghan people, Afghan military, Afghan women, uh, that was the reason. Nowadays, they are a doctor, engineer, journalist. That's why we would like to continue our support to Afghan people and Afghan kids that now they are, you know, the kids now are a doctor engineer. But uh, he promised me that uh, Biden administration continued their support. Now I would like to ask again, President Biden, you promised a month ago, but unfortunately Taliban took over Afghanistan. Still, you are going to support Afghan people? This a uh, question, Mark, and uh, be, uh, I'm going to come to your question. The Taliban is here. Me, as an Afghan journalist, as an Afghan woman, that I experienced Taliban policy in on 1996, I doubt it. I'm not optimistic. I have to be optimistic. But based on Taliban old policy, uh, I'm not optimistic because women have... Accomplishment, women have uh, accomplishment, achievement, mean achievement, a lot of achievement. You know, they would like to keep that, but how? Because uh, Taliban, you know, Talibanism, your Taliban, uh, they have an ideology that it's difficult for somebody to change their mm-hmm. policy. Right now, I'm so grateful, I'm happy that Taliban promised Afghan people that uh, their change. Maybe this is new generation of Taliban. I uh, said so we have to keep our hope. Uh, but uh, how come you change somebody's ideology? Of course, if Taliban continued the same, uh, let me tell you something, Chris. Taliban has announced amnesty for all, uh, for everybody, go- uh, uh, government people and not government. But unfortunately, today I to, not today nowadays I got bunch of a phone call every day. People call me more than 100 people. They're crying. They share with me different story. And today, like 10 minutes ago, before I came to your show, somebody said, oh, Taliban torture women, torture men. Mm. How come Taliban, uh, you know, doesn't keep I'm their commitment? I'm hearing the same they stories. Say, amnesty. I'm
1: hearing the same stories, yes, uh, uh, Nazira. And that's why we have to keep an eye on this. Look, let's do this. You're going to be hearing stories. You know that we're a phone call away for you to share the information so we can get it out to people. The Taliban themselves just put out a warning to women that they should stay home from work because the soldiers aren't trained to respect women. Uh, We can't expect anything but what we've seen. We only know what they show and it's never been good for women uh, as a starting point. So I appreciate you taking time on this show. We're always a phone call away um, and I am very happy for your success and your presence and I hope somehow... There are many more who can follow in your footsteps. Thank you and be well. Listen, I mean, what else do you need to know? We all know this. We all know the reality. And I'm not saying it's America's job to make Afghanistan a better place or any place. I understand the politics of it. But don't sleep on the reality either. And it makes the evacuation that much more pressing and allies that much more pressing. Now, to the war at home, a new sobering COVID reality. There are more hospitalizations now than since the early weeks of the vaccine rollout. Why, because we didn't take it seriously. The virus got stronger, we got weaker and Delta is tearing through the unvaccinated. How bad? I want you to listen to a doctor And what he says is the reality now about what's happening with people with real illnesses because of all this Delta. Next. COVID is killing people who have it. But did you know that COVID is also killing people who don't have it? That's the reality from Dr. Nitesh Pariani. He wrote an opinion piece in the Washington Post. The headline was unvaccinated COVID patients are straining hospitals like mine where I had to turn a cancer patient away. He joins us now. Welcome to Primetime Doctor. Thank you.
4: Thank you for having me, Chris.
1: What is the reality of what you're
4: seeing? I, I mean, what she said is absolutely correct. Delta is just ripping through the hospitals in, in ways that we we couldn't have imagined. And the strain it's causing on the healthcare system is, is unimaginable. Um, you know, as I pointed out in the editorial, I wrote... Um, I had to turn away a, a cancer patient that needed an emergency treatment simply due to the fact that my hospital didn't have any beds. Um, when I established my cancer practice, and I'm, I'm a third-generation oncologist, the one principle that I had built, my family had built treating cancer patients off of, was that we would never turn away a patient, regardless of whether they could pay or not. And for the first time in 60 years of my family's history of treating cancer, we had to turn someone away. Why? We just didn't have a bed. There was simply no room in the hospital to treat the patient.
1: We're hearing that they're taking COVID patients from hospitals and sending them home because they have other COVID patients who are even worse that they need to put in the beds. Um, Have you heard stories like that?
4: I haven't heard that particularly, but what we're seeing is just a a tremendous amount of patients coming in. I mean, the other day our emergency room had a 12 hour wait. Um, Almost every hospital in the city is on diversion, meaning they don't have room to take transfer patients. Patients who need complex care simply can't access it. I mean, it's it's this kind of strain is something we've never seen before.
1: What do you say to people you're in Florida who say, look, the vaccine, they don't even know if it works that well. They keep changing all the data. Really, all you need. uh, Just listen to the governor. You just need one of these uh, antibody treatments and you'll be fine if you get it. It's basically the same thing as having the vaccine. What do you say to them?
4: Well, you had my colleague, Steve Hahn, on the other day, former commissioner of the FDA, and, you know, I think he said it best. This, this is the best tool we have to fight the pandemic. There's no question about it. You know, we're seeing in the hospitals greater than 90% of the people that are admitted in the ICUs are unvaccinated. There's no question that the vaccine is the best option we have. It's also the cheapest option we have. Um, it, it is the most effective, and there's really no reason that people should be avoiding the vaccine. There's not a single patient that we've had to intubate because of a complication from the vaccine. The people we are innovating, the people that are on life support, the people that are dying are the ones that are not vaccinated.
1: How difficult do you think it is to fight against what we're calling the politics here? But it's not really politics, right? It's mis and disinformation. Uh, The idea that you know mask mandates are the problem and let the parents choose and all that, especially in your state. What do you think of that?
4: I mean you you're absolutely right it's, it's it's not politics and it shouldn't be politics it's misinformation and you know I think a lot of, there's a lot of reasons for that misinformation there's social media there's um, other other sources of information that people are gathering but you know we as physicians we have to rely on people like you Chris to get the positive message out to get the the truth out there that listen this is a simple solution the pand- I mean the uh, the vaccine is a simple answer to help us end this pandemic you know Dr Fauci said I think today that he's hopeful by spring that we can end this pandemic if we can increase our vaccination rates. And we've just got to do it.
1: Well, though, the whole problem is who's the we? This country is now the vaccinated and the unvaccinated, and the only people the unvaccinated will listen to are the people who made it okay for them not to take it in the first place. But Dr. Pariani, you're not a politician, I'm not gonna make you one. Thank you for doing your job to try to keep people alive in a very hard environment, and I wish you well.
4: Thank you, sir. Thank you for having me on the show.
1: All right. So look, Florida's governor, is a good indicator of how this brand of politics right which i don't really believe that's what it is but how is he doing as a function of what he's doing we have the wizard of odds here with a look inside ron DeSantis' approval numbers there is a reality found in there i don't think you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna be surprised next Florida's governor is Ron DeSantis. He says masks don't help prevent kids from getting COVID. And yet polling shows six in 10 Floridians support requiring masks in schools. So where does that leave the governor's standing with voters as the numbers in Florida continue to spiral out of control and account for some of the worst metrics in the country?
5: The reality with the Wizard of Odds. What do we see, brother? I mean, not perhaps what you might expect. Look at where Ron DeSantis' approval rating is among Florida voters right now. It's the same as it was on election day 2020. Mm -hmm. And look at this. Should he be reelected in 2022? Look at this. 48% of Florida voters say yes, compared to just 45% who say no. Look, that's close. But given where the cases are, given where the hospitalizations are in Florida, I think that a lot of the viewers would expect his numbers to be far worse than they actually are. Now, let's put this together with another piece and then we'll have a conclusion for people. Show Biden's numbers in Florida. Look at this much worse than Ron DeSantis's numbers are in Florida. And this is what politics is basically coming down to right now. It's negative partisanship. It's not just, how am I doing? It's, how is my opponent doing? Or, how are the Democrats doing? And what we see here is that DeSantis, you know, you watch him go on Fox News. He always plays off against the Democrats. This is a smart move in a state like Florida, where Joe Biden's approval rating is down significantly over the last few months. And so, for him, he's like you know what? I don't have to be doing that great. I just have to be doing better than the other guys. COVID, it's
1: well, it's right. It's who's worse, right? That's the breakdown. Who's worse? And it is all partisan. If anybody thinks that COVID created clarity that was transcendent of politics, it's just reinforced the same old rules, hasn't it?
5: It's exactly right. It's just reinforced the same old rules. And you know, what I'll note here is that I think a lot of people expect a certain relationship with COVID, right? When cases are up, you'd expect that the incumbents would be punished. And if cases are down, the incumbents should benefit. But what, in fact, do we see? Look at this. This is the 2016 versus the 2020 election. And if you look at the change between those two, in the counties in which there were more COVID cases that were in the top quartile, what happened to the Democratic margin? It actually went down. Donald Trump improved in the places where the COVID deaths were highest. In fact, where he did worse was where they were lowest. Why? Here's why. The reason why is a bunch of things. Number one, where the cases tended to be lowest were places where, for example, um, people wear masks. That's right. People had testing. People believed especially white voters with college degrees in these suburban areas versus what you saw was in a lot of places that might be the rural places where Trump um, did worse or did better in. They might not necessarily believe, or in the urban areas, especially among people of color. Remember, Donald Trump vastly improved among people of color, specifically Hispanics in urban areas, African-Americans as well, even though they had some of the highest cases and death rates from COVID.
1: You know, it's very interesting and it also makes me wrong. Uh, because I say this country is divided. And the reality is it's the vaccinated against the unvaccinated. But Harry, no, it isn't because over 50 percent of Republicans, I bet you even in Florida, you'd have to look at that and let us know. uh, But they're vaccinated and they're still back in DeSantis, even though you would think that the vaccinated would be against somebody who is keeping people from doing what they're supposed to do in the pandemic. The pandemic is not as strong as poison politics.
5: It is not. And, you know, you point out Republicans, and you're right. You know, we don't have an exact number on the... uh, Actually, we do, and I will tell you that a majority of Republicans are vaccinated in the state of Florida. But take a look here, right? If you're looking ahead to 2024... Should Ron DeSantis run for president? 67% of Florida Republicans say yes. Mm-hmm. This is a huge advantage for someone like DeSantis going forward into 2024 because there are a ton of delegates in a state like Florida. Remember when Donald Trump knocked Marco Rubio out of the 2016 race? He did so in the state of Florida where he was able to defeat a sitting senator in his home state. If DeSantis can win a primary like in Florida and those numbers among Republicans indicate that, in fact, he can he could ride all the way to the nomination. And so far, the c- coronavirus is not keeping DeSantis down. If anything, he's able to go on Fox and pump himself up.
1: Mm. Harry Enton, thank you very much for the reality behind the numbers. My pleasure, my friend. All right, here's a weird controversy. Just to get your head just to think about, well, what are we doing in this society these days? You remember this? Remember this album cover? You remember everything? Nirvana, smells like team spirit. Smells like litigation now. The song was one of the best selling records of all time. Never mind as an album, as an icon. And part of the reason, just part, was that cover art. The baby who's not a baby anymore, he's 30, and guess what, he's suing. Why? You will want to hear this, (laughs) next. They're telling me, go, 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 but I want to hear the song. If you're a Nirvana fan, you likely remember the iconic, we put it in front of my face. Remember this album? Everybody does. That baby from their cover art, his name was Spencer Eldon. He's no baby anymore. You want to feel old? He's 30. And he's suing Nirvana for, quote, child pornography. Now, here's some context. In 2007, um, Spencer said he finds it kind of creepy that many people have seen me naked. I feel like the world's biggest porn star. On the other hand, he's often recreated the photo several times. The guy supposedly has never mind tatted on his chest. CNN has reached out to the defendants in the case. Uh, We've yet to hear back. Joining us now is Eldon's attorney, Maggie Maybe. It's good to have you, counselor. Uh, Part of the lyrics of that song is, I found it hard, it's hard to find. Oh, well, whatever, never mind. I'm a little bit like that with your complaint. That's why I want to talk to you about it. I get you bringing a claim that he was never paid, or I guess his legal guardians or parents weren't paid for the photo. That's a, compl- uh, that's a, a complaint I could understand. You might be told by statute of limitations on it, but how do you get to pornography here?
6: So our firm centralizes our practice in child pornography litigation. And when you look at the case law here, you look at the dose factors, that will help a jury determine whether or not an image constitutes child pornography. One of those factors, which is very clear here in the image, is that the focal point of the image is the minor's genitalia. And here in that image, along with all of the other dose factors, as we've pled in our complaint, it's a very over-sexualized image, and it does constitute child pornography. More importantly, it was child exploitation, in the way that they created it, and the way that they continue to distribute, distribute the image today.
1: Well, look, again, the second part of that, I could see him having a claim against his parents, right? This was their decision. Um, but that's one issue. Were they compensated? Did they know? Everybody's going to be familiar with that. But the other part of this, I don't ever remember anybody ever writing or anything being out there in society about this image as a sexualized or pornographic image. I always thought that it was a suggestion of how right out of the womb, people are just grabbing for money and doing anything they can. I thought it was more about capitalism than it was sexuality. Uh, Why are you so sure about your position? And why is he bringing it now after all these years of seeming to be okay
2: with it?
6: I'm sure of the position, because if you look at the case law and the dose factors and you analyze this image compared to those factors, it very much constitutes child pornography. And I think the reason that Spencer is bringing this suit now is because he's about to face a very large invasion of his privacy again at the 30th anniversary. And when that album is released, he expects for his privacy to be invaded and this display of his genitalia to be put all across the world yet again. Spencer wants this image redacted. He is saying that he doesn't want his genitalia out there for the world to consume any longer. And if we have this image redacted, that will be a monumental signal for all victims of child pornography that their voices are being heard and their privacy is being respected.
1: You think that this man is is really a, a good face for the pain of child pornography? Somebody who's made money out of it, has a tattoo on his chest about it, has celebrated it at different times in his life and had all this time to reach out about it in the context that you're offering now and never did. You really think that this would is something been- that would be comforting to real victims?
6: Spencer's connection with Nirvana, while may have been celebrated, is not the same as his image being displayed. He can say, I don't have a problem being on the cover, I have a problem with my genitalia being displayed on the cover. We are asking Nirvana to do what they contemplated doing 30 years ago, which is to redact the genitalia from the image. Kurt Cobain himself said that they should put a decided or at least contemplated whether or not they would put a sticker over the Mm, genitalia mm, talking about that. that that
1: That's not that's not accurate. That's not accurate. In in my reading of it, which is probably coming from the same as yours, unless you've spoken to the executives involved at the time, um, which your litigation doesn't say you have. They wanted there was some discussion on the label side about doing something. Uh And Cobain's response was, the only thing I would do is put a label on that, that if you're bothered by this image, you're a closet pedophile or something like that. I don't think that's the same as your reckoning. But again, uh, especially because I I hear your argument, but to say this will be comforting to actual victims of child pornography, uh, that's a heavy statement. And your client has had a lot of time to do this.
6: Represent victims yes. of child pornography. We've had clients reach out to say how proud they are of Spencer for being this courageous and for asserting his rights because they too feel his rights have been invaded, similarly to theirs.
1: But this he just found this a, now. A,
6: a look at as society.
1: Listen, I'm how with, you. I'm with you, and I'd be whole, just so you understand, counselor. I'd be happy to talk to you about the exploitation of kids and images and how sexuality of them can be used and more importantly abused. I'm with you. I'm talking about the instant litigation. He didn't do this for many, many years. In fact, I don't even know how you get past the statute of limitations on it. But how do you explain him never taking this step until now?
6: All victims of child pornography have until they have discovered the injury and then ten years later under two two five five to sue. This also doesn't begin to toll even until the age of eighteen. So it is contemplated in understanding how these crimes work that a victim wouldn't come forward until they're twenty eight or older. Yes. So I mean, Given what we know about these crimes, this is not abnormal behavior, and Spencer has expressed his discontent with being displayed this way many, many times for years in the past. This is not a newly manifested issue.
1: But he's gone back and forth, right? He's also celebrated it, used it to his own advantage. He's tattooed the name of the album on his chest. And again... That recollection uh, dynamic that you discuss is very important in the law, and it's based in psychology, and it's one of the few favors the law has done to psychology, frankly. But it is about when people are able or for whatever reason develop recollection of abuse and trauma that has been secreted away or buried or psychologically kept out of their consciousness from when they were children. And I know you know this, but just for the audience, how does this apply to that? How is this him realizing that he was abused as a child?
6: This is Spencer realizing that the image of his genitalia, and it's not just a new realization. This is Spencer asserting that the image of his genitalia is being exploited ongoing to this day every day and he's known that and he's felt that and this is not about money this is about redacting the image to respect his privacy money
1: is involved just for what it's I'll, worth
6: I'll involve money damages i know
1: but i'm saying don't say it's not involved it is in there that's all but listen um counselor i'm happy to have you make the case here we'll see what the court of public opinion decides and i appreciate you taking the opportunity
6: I try my cases in the court of law.
1: Thank you. I know, but not tonight because that's where we are. We'll see what they say. Be well and good luck. We'll be right back with the handoff. Don Lemon tonight with the big star D Lemon. I found (laughs) it hard. It's hard to find. Oh, well, well, whatever. Never mind. That's how I feel about that lawsuit, except for one aspect. Yeah. That firm does a lot of legitimate work about a very important area of the law, which is people who are abused uh, and through the process of pornography. That's and, not what this is about. Right. And the, especially the idea of years later realizing what happened to you. That is a really, really important and delicate me, construct me, in the law and society. And I just hope that yes. somebody's not misapplying it for profit. Here.
7: I think you're being listen, you're being very generous as you and, and very careful as you should be. I am not, because this is where our judicial system, the legal system, the court system should be overhauled and looked at, because someone should look at that and say, get out of my courtroom with this. Well, that could happen. Well, and it should happen. Let's just be honest about that's what that's not what this is about. Look, good luck with them for all of that. Fine. But it also for legitimate issues when it comes to what you're talking about. It diminishes that. Because there are people who have real issues that should be in the court of law, the legal system is being over it's overwrought and overrun with people who file these lawsuits that should not i mean barely have the merit or whatever right, that but the system the can statute. account for
1: it you you but, have but you have still, sanctions you have frivolous lawsuits and I, no one's saying that. if this someone lawsuit- had put my
7: picture on my naked picture as a kid on an album i would be saying look at me this was me as a kid look i was that's you as a baby that's you that's, that's how most people that's how most people but and that's, that's how that person standard. should be that's not Well, that's standard. how that person should be and they did it for years well here's so the let's problem. Go, stop the bs that's not this it's bs and it's to say it's not about money it is about money I'm sorry. That's all well,
1: I abs- it. There's money attached to the lawsuit, so obviously yes. Yeah, so obviously then ask them to remove it and tell them you don't want any right. money. I think that what is going to hurt, look, every lawsuit has to survive summary judgment, which means if you assume all the facts as presented by the plaintiff, do you have a claim upon which uh, relief should be granted under the law? I don't know that this survives because if you assume all the facts, even the way the guy did, it doesn't make any sense because so just now, this isn't, hey, I remember what someone did to me way back when, and, you know, it was so horrible that my, my psychologically I suppressed it. He's been well aware of what this was the entire time. He made hay out of it himself. He's got never mind tattooed across his chest. Here's what a judge but should say. But it is say. an interesting
7: thing. Here's what a judge should say. Take this out of my courtroom, please. Yeah, but that and, may and be what happens. And that's what should happen. Because otherwise, people are going to continue to do that. And any law, anybody, any law firm worth its salt should say to these people, stop it. Stop law, it.
1: If, if you look at the law firm, it does a lot of important work. What okay, I'm fine. saying I'm not, is this. I don't,
7: I don't know about the law but, firm. But just I don't the know I'm just saying I'm looking at this. Just, I looked at this just today just the and I said.
1: And the cultural place that we are right now about yeah. what's okay and what isn't and what's the standard. Yeah. Take a look around at how people are portraying the album cover when discussing this story. Take a look and you'll see what is interesting <laughs> to me about it, which is just the threat of being on the wrong side of something that's cultural right now uh, sparks quick response. Why
7: is the album cover even back in the zeitgeist, back in the ethos? It's because of this. Otherwise, it's Unless you're a fan, the 30th anniversary is coming. Yeah, it's an iconic album cover, and I... I, I never, never looked at it as porn, I never even away. saw it. I never, ta- I never even thought about it. I never even never. saw the, the kid's genitalia. I just saw it as a cute baby, and they're talking about grasping for money. And the album meant something beyond, right? It had a meaning. Right. You know, if like, he
1: was never paid in the beginning, if his parents
7: were never paid for the image, that's one thing. Well, that's the thing. Right, but this is very different. Well, well if you're going to say that this is child pornography, then what, what's your parents? What right. do your parents have to do with it? Right. What are they? What's there? I mean, do they have now, an obligation here? Is there an onus on them? They do. The father has told the story before. Yeah.
1: Look, we know what this is about. But again, it's capturing a lot of people's of attention yeah. and it was worth kind of pushing it around just to see. That what was it's a good about. story.
7: I'm glad you did it.
1: But I'll tell you something else. I'll tell you something else Yeah. that matters a whole lot more and kind of triggers the same sense of what's right and what's wrong. And I am very I'm more worried tonight about Afghanistan than I have been any night up until now in this new phase of threat of terror of Biden's administration, arguably botching the exit, Um, which is you cannot be focused on a deadline right now. Mm -hmm. You have to get your people out. And here's why. Phil Mudd, who knows way better about this stuff than I do, he says there's no good answer. Yeah, but there can be a worse answer, which is if you leave, you guarantee anyone who's left behind is going to be in a bad way. And they will be looked at and they will be hunted and there will be recriminations. Yeah. If you stay past the deadline, that may cause problems, but that assumes that the Taliban really wants to get down against the United States of America. Yeah. If you leave and you leave Americans behind, God forbid, or you leave allies behind, you guarantee they have problems. Yeah. Do you guarantee problems if you stay beyond the 31st? I don't
7: know that. You're, not, you're never going to get everybody out. You wasn't better try. Yeah. Oh, of course, and they're trying now. I, think, actually, I actually think they're doing a good job of getting people out. Look at the, the, the tens of thousands of people they've got now. I think the administration has done a good job. Those images initially, what happened, did that reflect poorly on the United States? Absolutely. Right, but did they're doing the job the they're doing now
1: because they screwed up the job originally. Right. So, so, so I don't want to give them too much credit. And well, they
7: need I, to get the people out. Exactly. Well, that's fine. But I want to give them the credit because that's a lot of people. That they've yeah, out. but they so, had to
1: get them out because they screwed up the exit. But they had have to get them out anyways.
7: If they screwed up the exit not or like not, this. they'd still have to. But they had, had they still, renegotiated
1: the deal they, in the last seven <laughs> months, they could have done it on their own time, but not But they the would Taliban's. still
7: have to get people out. And even in seven months, I think it, it is an impossibility to get every single person out of the country who wants to get out of Afghanistan. But that's it, not our job. Deadline.
1: Our job is to get Ameri- Americans and the strategic allies oh, well, you're who so you're my point. Story. Not
7: everybody. You're, just, you're making my point. But that is my breaking news, so I'm going to get to it. I love you, D. Lemon. Make your witness.
0: (laughs) You as well. I'll see you soon. This Quality sleep is essential. And that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together.